Guys, I'm just thrilled. This, this is a dream come true for me to be able just to get up and share, share the heart. Uh, the golden nuggets that I've heard just over dinner, or the reception last night and this morning have just been phenomenal, and I'm, I'm so glad that you guys are here. Uh, Donna and I came over from Florida, and I'm going to give you the story about our, about our ministry here in a second. And uh, I've been a member for about a year and a half. Uh, this man here sponsored me, John, and great friend. He teamed up with me for an amazing men's event. We have a Grace for Men, a Grace for Man conference uh, every year in Florida. So uh, John was uh, with me for our second one, and then last year Andrew came and joined us, and it, it was just eye popping and uh, just uh, just spectacular. So I appreciate y'all being here. My name is Trey Etheridge, uh, Donna Etheridge. Uh, uh, she is the brains behind our organization, and. Uh, I'm just going to get into it, uh, as, uh, but I'd like to pray first because sometimes when I stand up in front of people, I have no clue what's going to come out of my mouth. So can I just pray for that real quick? Uh, Father in heaven, just, wow, we are in so in awe of who you are. We're in awe of this breath you are allowing us to breathe in right now. And we're even more awe and more hopeful that when we exhale that breath, we get to speak your truth to everyone we know. We get to share this truth about our identity as Christians in today's crazy world that just seems to be spinning out of control. And through that, speaking of the truth of our identity and who we are and who you say we are, others might understand the hope that we have and we can plant a seed of grace in their heart so they can grow and have this revelation that we've had as well. So, Father, just to help me learn from these people today, help maybe whatever comes out of my mouth, either through me or in spite of me, just let it be true to you and uh, true to our walk as we're your torchbearers to shine your light to everyone we see. In Christ's name, amen. Well, I'm just going to start out how you asked me. It was the summer of 2010. I'm going to tell you two stories, a little bit about me and a little bit about one of our brothers in our ministry. Our ministry is called Men Passionate About Christ. Impact, uh, the official logo, got cool t-shirts downstairs. It's got the magic cross. You push, it, push the cross in. If you want to lose weight, you push the cross. It makes you look slimmer, all right? If, uh, if, you, want, if you want to gain weight and get muscular, you push it twice. It makes you look like you've been to the gym and got swole up, you know. So anyway. And, um, but men passionate about Christ. Uh, our seven, years, or seven years ago in our living room, I came up with this mission statement. We're gonna, we want to help men discover grace one man at a time. And now I'm sitting here in front of you guys talking. It's just crazy how it works. We started with four men in my living room, me and three others. I had to ask Donna to leave. It was on Tuesday night, and I said, baby, you need to leave for a couple hours because I wanted to create an atmosphere of total transparency, total trust, no judgment, no condemnation zone, so we can just get together and men can just get real about who they are and who we are in Christ and who God says we truly are through Christ. And it wasn't but a couple of weeks she called me one day and said, you're going to have to move this out of the house because we started growing. And those four guys turned into eight, turned into 12, turned into 25. We started going to a restaurant Walked in, there was 27 guys, and I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? And now I'm with you guys in our ministry after seven years, 
two podcasts, social media, all the things we do. We reach thousands and thousands of men, and we have what we call a brotherhood support network. It's on our website. You just click on the word brotherhood, and uh, you can be put in touch with a man that is dealing with the thorn that you might have to help you overcome it through grace. Now, 30% of our followers are women, which is fantastic because I get more emails from women most of the time than I do from men just saying, how can my husband get involved? Do you have this in Corpus Christi, Texas? Can I get you in Bloomington, Indiana, or wherever it is? But, you know, so we, we create dialogues with the wives that might be having some issues with their husbands or husbands that are just trying to overcome. I had to overcome something in the summer of 2010. Uh, I was in a rest area on Interstate 95, just north of Cape Canaveral, a little, little community in Titusville, Cape Canaveral, I'm not sure, you know, where all the rockets go off, that's where we live, is, is in that county. And I was in a rest area, it was late, in the, late at night, like one in the morning. And um, at about nine o'clock earlier that night, I had, was bringing my son home from some event, and I pulled in to the driveway and I said, hey buddy, I gotta run to the supermarket, you go inside, I'll catch you in a little bit. He said, okay, and he got out of the car and I just said, Garrett, and Garrett's gonna be here in a little bit, y'all get to meet him. I said, Garrett, don't forget how much I love you. And he kind of gave me this funny look. He said, uh, I love you too, Dad. And he went inside and I left in my F-150 and I, I didn't come home. I was in a rest area about one in the morning and I was debating with the knife in my hand whether I was gonna slit my wrist or slit my throat. Life had gotten that out of control for me. You know, it was really weird. I, I was, my mind was so demented in my thought process that I was thinking things like, okay, if I slit my throat, it's gonna be quicker, but it's gonna be messier. And if I leave a mess in the F-150, my son's gonna get the car, so it's gonna be awful. That's how the enemy had me in his grip. I was thinking things like, what's the funeral home man going to be able to cover up so my mom doesn't, can't see it? And this is the deepest, darkest hole I've ever been in in my life. And I thought to myself, why, how did I get here? How did I get here? Now, I'm a, 40-year-old man at this time, 40, 40, no, 44. And if you look back on my life, guys, I didn't have, if you look back on my family, she jokes about it all the time. My family was the Cunninghams from Happy Days, and I was Richie. Had it all, man. Good middle-class living. Dad worked his butt off was the sports hero, dated the cheerleader, had the cool car, did all that stuff. I lacked nothing. Went to church every Sunday. You know, church and Sundays in Texas, it's an interesting dynamic because if the Cowboys play at noon, we go to the early service. <laughs> if they play at 3, we go, I, we, my brother and I go to the Sunday school at 9, we go to the 11 o'clock, then we try to beat the Baptist to the Chinese food restaurant. That, 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 that's how church was set up for us. And we, we did that. And, and every week, and every week, every week, every week, went through confirmation like so many do. Um, 
And I, I attended those classes that summer, my 12-year-old year, went up in front, of the, in, front of the, in front of the church with the pastor. He, he had me give a prayer. And then after that prayer, he handed me a certificate, and everybody came up to me and said, congratulations, you're in. I had no clue what I was in for. I had no clue. I mean, in my whole life, I was going to church, listening to a pa- great guy, great pastors that I had out in West Texas, Midland, San Angelo, a little bit of Roswell, New Mexico. I went to college in Lubbock. You better love Jesus so you won't go to hell and you'll go to heaven. Anybody ever heard that? Well, guess what? I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go to hell. So Jesus is my answer. Sign me up. Passport, you know, you know stamp, my, stamp my passport to heaven. And so I began this life, man. Life started happening. I'm a Christian. They gave me the certificate. And I remember carefully pinning it into the wall of my room right next to the poster, the famous poster of Farrah Fawcett in the red bathing suit. So I had, I had the certificate of my membership to church right next to Farrah. Y'all, y'all know that, you know that, that poster. It, and every, every, every man in here had that poster on their wall if you were my age, growing up in the 70s and 80s. But in any case, guys, I started this life checking the boxes. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is how I'm supposed to do it. I'm supposed to show up. I'm supposed to know how to tie my tie right when I go to church on Sunday because if you wear shorts and a golf shirt to church, you are mm, not good. I remember one time a guy was sitting next to me at church and he had flip-flops on and my mom said, did you see him picking his toenails the whole, the whole church service? Yeah, you know, so that's, that's the life I grew up in, conservative West Texas. And, mm-hmm. and, and, but anyway, I started this life and life happened, went to tech, you know, fraternity, yada, yada, yada. Got to get out so I have to get married because that's what my parents did. Then I'm going to have the kids. I'm going to have the white picket fence in the house. The career job, start working up, getting in the grind. And then just for years, I was in this self, this self-perpetuating hamster wheel of just mediocrity, I'd like to call it, right? Going through the motions, never looking deeper, Never even heard the word identity in Christ. There's a seat here, and there's one here and here. So we got three. And, um, and life happened in a crazy way. Life happened. I just was working so hard to stay on that treadmill of life, working so hard to keep it right with the man upstairs. You believe in him, Trace. I don't screw up anymore. And man, the pressure that I felt as that put on me. And it just put me on this spiral to where I just couldn't keep up and couldn't keep up. And it went on for years. I had a beautiful son, moved around the country, corporate job. I was doing great, but I was living two lives. I was wearing different masks all the time, as my friend writes about in his book. I had the husband mask. I had the son mask. I had the tray mask of the community. I, you know, I, you know, I had it all, but I, I was slowly spiraling out to where I started making horrible decisions. Then I was busting my butt to try to cover those decisions up, and I put myself in a financial place where I lost everything. My ex-wife, my son's mother, looked at me one day, and you know, when she realized the scope of the financial problems we were in, she says, I'm leaving because I don't feel safe with you anymore. For a man to hear that, 
That's what we're designed to do. That's us men. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to protect our families. We're supposed to go to war. We're supposed to fight these battles. We're supposed to build these walls to protect ourselves. But I didn't realize the whole time I was building these walls around my heart that were getting harder and harder to take down. Until that night, as I was screaming at God, why have you done this to me? Look at all that I have done. I've done all of this. Donated to help pave the parking lot of the church, and this is where I am. You can fix me. Why haven't you fixed me? Everyone is just saying this relationship with you. So since you can't, I'm coming. I'm just going to come. I don't know if I'm going to see you or not, but I'm just going to end it. And I felt this chirp like, you got this, Trey. Just you, me and you. Your family's going to be better off without you. They don't need you. Insurance policies covered. They're going to be set financially for a long time. What I didn't tell you was, like, the sheriff had served me uh, repossession papers on my house, foreclosure papers. All these things were going on. I had $600 to my name and a mortgage payment due. And my, my wife at the time left with my son and at, at, when he graduated from school. So I was sitting there. This, this is right before my son's going into his senior year of high school. And, I, and I'm screaming at him. And I'm weeping. I have no clue who you are. And then I just had this overall, just tingle, peace. You call it, you heard. You call it, you heard words. You had sensation, whatever you want to say. I believe I, I believe I physically heard from him just saying, I'm so glad you called. <laughs> Even if you're screaming at me, I'm so glad you called. Mm. I was saved when I was 13 years old at a, at a youth camp in the Texas Hill Country. I went with a friend. His name was Rodney, and he invited me at the last second because the friend that was supposed to go with him got sick, so I was the sub to go on this trip, and I, I accepted Christ at worship night under a big pavilion out there. Yeah, Richie Cunningham, I, I wasn't. I mean, that's who I was growing up, but I had this life that would not lead me to a place of suicide. Somebody else did. And I was there when I screamed at him and I felt this peace and the words were so vivid. I'm glad you called. You can't leave because I've never left you. And you just don't know. And it was about that time, right after that, I, and, and he said this, who's going to watch Garrett play football on Friday nights? He was a big-time high school football player, being recruited to play. He actually played a year here at the University of North Texas. Who's going to watch him play on Friday nights? This is his last season. You're going to need to be there for him. And then I got a strange phone call, and it was 1.30 in the morning. It was, my, it was a brother, a friend of mine. His name was Don. He's Orlando Police Department. And he called me, and he said, Where are you, brother? And I said, Dude, this is, life ain't good. And he goes, I know, it's not good for me either. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I'm about to lose my house. I've got a son battling depression, or a daughter battling depression, a wife battling this. He goes, why don't we, we never talk about that, so I want to know, I want to talk to you now about what's going on with you. He says, I know where you are, I know what you're trying to do, 
but you got to tell me where you are because we can't have this conversation on the phone. We need it to be face-to-face. And I'm going to send a, you tell me where you are, I'm going to send a squad car out to get you. And we just started talking, and all of a sudden, I purged years, years of transgressions to my friend in a total, transparent, confidential, guilt-free mode. And the more I purged, the more I felt the the baggage leaving me. And I said, look, don't send a... Don't send a car out. I'm 45, 50 miles away. I said, talk to me, talk me home. And he stayed on the phone with me for that 50-mile ride. And when I got to my house, he was in the driveway with a paramedic. They didn't know if I'd taken pills or, you know, they didn't know anything. He just, he sensed it. And that began a journey of me, of me right then of, that's the most honest conversation I've ever had with another man in my life other than how the cowboy's doing. What's your son's batting average? What, you know, what school is your son getting accepted to? I got real with him. And that was the seeds that were planted for our ministry. We come together in the spirit of James 5, verse 16, to confess your sins to one another. So through prayer, Christian strong brotherhood, this healing process can begin. So that was the seed that was planted, and that, that was in 2010. Well, my divorce, the divorce happened. My son went away to college. I'm all by myself. Um, uh, I met this amazing person. She reached out to me on Match.com. I was 60 miles away, Right? And about two weeks before we were going to get married, right around that time, and I was, I was getting ready to relocate uh, the 50 miles from Orlando over to where she lives in Melbourne, I got a phone call. And her name was Nivia. And her husband was one of my best friends. And, I said, and she was crying. I said, Nivia, what's up? And she said, we lost Raul. I said, oh, my gosh, what do you what do you mean? I just was saw him. I talked to him on the phone yesterday. We had lunch two days before. She goes, yeah, Trey, he, he slit his throat and bled out in the bathroom. Oh. What? Well, she said, Trey, you know, the alcoholism was just getting out of control. I said, Nivia, I've never seen him drink in my life. We go out to eat lunch. I get a beer with my burger and he's insistent, Diet Coke. He was Cuban, Cuban-American guy. He was just had bigger, this bigger, and he, I'd have a Coke now. Just serious about that Coke, Diet Coke. So I'd never seen him drink. She goes, no, Trey, he had bottles, he had bottles everywhere. And he'd been battling it for years. And, you know, you put that on top of his depression and his bipolar, and I went, well, well wait a minute. I didn't know that about my friend. This was this guy umpired my child and loved Garrett, and he, he was the first person to look at me and says, if your son plays it right, he's going to be a major league baseball player. He loved my son. And I'm like, and then she said, and to top it off, you know, getting fired from the job was the final straw. I said, Nivia, he told me he had a better opportunity, and he was moving on to a great new job. And she goes, no, Trey, last Friday he got pulled over with a DUI in the company car automatically 
he was fired the next day. So I cried. I was in my garage. There were boxes getting ready to move to Mary Donna. And it just hit me. And then not long after we got married, it was a few months after we got married, and I, I established this home in this new church. It was on me so hard. I was close. My friend did it. And I went, why don't we guys dig deep and get real about who we truly are? Why are there so many secrets? Why do we build these walls up? We don't let anybody in. So I came to Donna, and I said, I want to do something. Oh, you want to have a Bible study, men's Bible study? I said, no. I want to talk about who we are. Bible's going to be big time in it, but I'm going to talk about who we are. And that's, it took about six months later, and we had our first meeting uh, seven years ago this past February. I left my corporate America job two years ago during COVID and made us a non-for-profit. And now we're trying to preach this message of grace to more men so they can truly understand how forgiven, how holy, how justified, and the righteousness they have in Christ Jesus. So that's the story of our ministry. And uh, we started with four guys in my living room, and now we got two podcasts that go worldwide. And we're doing, there's some brochures, there's more downstairs. We do, we do these Grace for Man conferences, the Grace experiences. Micah Tyler last year, we got, if y'all are going to be near Florida September 9th, come see us. Zach Williams is going to be joining me on stage, and I'm so excited about it. But we have, that's a common theme with the men that come to us. And this is what the meat I wanted to get to. The, and, 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 and we can ping pong some things around. Discovered a few things. Maybe this will help you as you're, you're trying to work with the men and women in your life. Maybe you have a, there's, there's, no, there's no boundaries on amazing golden nuggets because I'd like to get them from you this weekend as well. Uh, and all the fun stuff we like to do and making the big events and the conferences and, and, and having people come join us, the rubber meets the road is that cup of coffee at Panera or that, that small group of four or five guys to look at each other and just peel back the layers and look deep inside. So I want to tell you a little story about this common theme. One, one man's story, the common themes of our ministry and the thought process that I've, the Lord, I believe the Lord's given me that maybe can help you minister to some people that are struggling in their life as well, especially understanding what grace truly means. Those pieces of paper there, just for you to look at, I'm not really, but the, those are some of the common themes we're looking at. And I, I will, I'm going to go through them just a little bit. But this past Saturday, I, was, I did a funeral. Good friend of mine. And I was under this pavilion, Satellite Beach, Florida. It was a, he was a Satellite Beach graduate. Uh, he had a crazy group of friends. I, I met them all, and they all had nicknames. You had Pitt, you had Butch, you had Switch, you know, all these nicknames. And I could tell by talking to them, probably been really cool to go to high school with these guys, <laughs> right? And I sat there in this pavilion, and there was 50 or 60 people, and to the, t- to the table right here, were two beautiful pictures of my friend Tim. One of the pictures was him and his 
his best buddy, Willow, is his dog, and they're at the beach. And Tim's with him. And then right between the two pictures was a flower vase. And then at the table right in front of me about where you guys are sitting was his mom. And she's obviously very shook up, and she's clutching Tim's Bible. And everyone else is in the tables behind him. And right over here, and I knew everybody was ready to get over here because that was all the potluck stuff that they brought. It was wings and barbecue and all this. And I told him about the time Tim came to me five years ago. And he came into his first meeting. And uh, he, he, his best friend had just driven from Melbourne to Baton Rouge to pick up Tim and bring him back because Tim was in the throes of alcohol poisoning and was in the worst shape of his life. And he was sitting at this table that morning. Uh, a, a beloved brother of ours that lived next door to his mom brought him in, and he said nothing. He was disheveled. He looked beaten. He looked broken. He looked filled with shame, depression, frustration, all these emotions wrapped into one. And he did not want to say a word. He just says, I'm Tim. Struggling with a few things now. Doc, the guy's name was Doc that brought him. Doc thought I'd be good to hang with you guys, but I really don't get into this kind of stuff. And he just sat there. And that happens a lot when we have our meetings. And we had 12 guys there that day, I think. And we just looked at him and we just went through. And guys started sharing the one thing, the first thing on the list that we discover is number one, the word thorns. We all have them. You think of Paul and he's screaming to God, planted there by Satan, by demons, and pleaded with God three times. And God, you know, Jesus finally said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. And he had these thorns we didn't know about yet. We knew he was messed up, but, and I just thought, one by one, we're going to pluck those. The Lord's going to pluck them, and we're going to be a catalyst to help. So that, that's, a, that's a common theme when, when you're dealing with somebody that not, might not want to be even influenced by the message we love to give. And that thorn might not be an addiction. It might not be a pain. It might be standing on improper teaching when they were growing up. It might, it, it, there's all kind of things that can focus, that, that, that can lead to these thorns on our side. But one brother put his arm around Tim that morning, and I watched it, and he said, we're glad, not sure what your deal is, but we're glad you just came as you are. And here's my number. And Tim looked with a little puzzled look on him, right? And stopped. You know, but from that moment, I smiled because I said, there's a seed planted. Grace was planted with that, my brother that day. And then this journey started. And he grew. And he grew. And over the next five years, I saw this shell of a man. I'm talking bottle of whiskey a day type guy who was brilliant. This shell of a man who had turned to the bottle and to the women and to gambling and to all these other things in his life. I saw him start registering that these brothers were there not to fix him. They were just there to be with him. 
So he had these thorns, and he was screaming out, and we looked at him, hopefully like Jesus, and said, grace is sufficient for you. My grace is strongest when you're at your weakest. Right? And he grew and grew to where he started asking questions. And he started, the next thing he started having after he started realizing his thorns and he started diving deep, uh, diving in, he started thinking about, what am I holding on to? How can I let go? And you think about holding on to things. What do we hold on to from things in our past? What do we hold on to that we need to let go of? You think about, you know, in Central America and in Africa, when they go to try to capture monkeys alive, have you seen this? They'll get a coconut. And a friend of mine, Win Your Days, his name is Jason Palmasano, and I'm going to send you to him because he's an amazing men's life coach, and he's a Christian that believes in the grace message. But they'll take these coconuts, and if they want the monkey alive, the monkey's too smart to go into the cage. So they'll put the coconuts out, and they'll cut a small hole in them, just enough for that monkey to be... Their, their hands are a lot more flexible than mine. They can get their hands in there. But inside of that coconut, they'll put a strawberry or a grape or some type of fruit. So that monkey will go in and grab it, and then they know they have him because they'll walk up to him, and the monkey... is. He'll, he'll have that thing stuck. It'll be like moving it around like this. And the hunters will be able to capture him alive and so use him for whatever they use him for. And, but that monkey, he's like, if he'd only let go of what's inside, he could get his hand out. And if you do the exercise, if you, if you pretend like your hand is like this going into a hole and you make a fist, guess what? Your hand widens about a half an inch to an inch. Just boom. And it, it does. So... You always think, why won't the monkey just let go? Why won't he just let go? And there's a lot of reasons. Why are people that you work with or minister to, why won't they, why do they keep holding on? Why do they keep holding on to mixing law with grace? Or why do they keep holding on to some of these traditions? Or why do they keep holding on, fill in the blank? And Tim told me I was just holding on, man. But there were a couple of things I didn't know. And I'm starting to realize God really loves me. He's not keeping score on me anymore. That's my biggest, that's my biggest challenge is how much I keep score. There's a, there's a seat right here, right in the front. Come on in. He hates publicity, but this is my brother. <laughs> so this is my brother. Just walked in. Nice to see you, dude. You shaved. Yes. <laughs> Why do I keep holding on? And Tim, Tim started having. Once we start realizing, you know, what our thorns are, we start realizing why are we holding on to them. Then guess, okay, this is where it gets to be really cool. Y'all ready? No? Yes! <laughs> Why do we? Tim started having, and this is what I beg people whenever we have a, a, a conference or a workshop or an event is, if you walk away today with just one thing, what would it be? It might be this small, it might be gigantic, but what is your revelation today? 
And Tim, it blew his mind as he was talking about, Trey, I just spent my whole life just thinking I was so far away from God. I've spent my whole life on all these horrible things I've done, the bottle I turned to, the girls I turned to, you know, all of these things I've done that I know are terrible in God's eyes. I believe in Christ, but I just don't get this. How can, and I was questioning how you can say I'm so forgiven because all I've tried to do is try to get a little closer to God, to be filled a little bit more with God. And he said, but I was reading in Colossians, this verse, Colossians 2, verse 9, 10, maybe 11. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty, empty deceit. This is verse 8. I'm sorry, I got the, my new contacts and I'm reading the wrong verse. For in him... The whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. And Tim looked at me and said, y'all been reading these verses to me. Are you telling me? I always thought, how full am I with God? How close am I in? I'm going to bust my butt a little more to get a little close, and I'm going to sin and screw up, and guess what? I'm going, back on the, I'm going back a notch, or I'm going up on the ladder and coming back down one. And I just felt like I was in this endless cycle of mediocrity. It's like a hamster wheel or a merry-go-round you can't jump off of. And I started thinking, how full am I? And he says, so wait a minute. Stop the press. Are you telling me that in Christ... He has the whole fullness of God. So that's what it says. How come no one's ever told me that? I, said, I agree. He goes, but what I want to know is why someone never told me the next verse. And I said, what's that? He said, I'm filled in Christ. And if Christ is filled in God, and I believe in Christ, then I'm totally filled from God myself. And I went, not bad for a rookie. <laughs> You're right. Why haven't I ever been taught that? What, why hasn't that ever come to light with me? If I would have realized who actually lives in me, Maybe I wouldn't have started turning to all these other junky things in my life to try to fill a hole. And our logo has a hole on it. I'll go through that in a minute with you. And he said, but the next revelation, he goes, you know, talking about being full with Christ, Romans 8, 11. My wife knows Romans 8, 11 very well because four years ago I had to have emergency open heart surgery. Crazy stuff, long story, but the next morning when they took me out, of anesthesia, she said, and I was a little loopy, she looked at me and she said, you must really like Romans 8, 11. I said, why? Because every doctor, every nurse, every janitor, every person that brings the food in, the technician, the x-ray guy, everyone comes in. You looked at him and said, do you understand the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you in Christ Jesus because you believe? <laughs> Wasn't I? Yes. I was planting seeds, man. I was unconscious, all right? 
But that's what the grace message is about, is understanding who's here. And Tim, my friend, that was the bottom of the barrel, man, he had no clue. I could go on and on, but 220, y'all know it. Because he brought that one out next. It's no longer I who live, but Christ in me. And I said, yeah. He says, you got to get out of here. I've never been taught that. And I'm like, I never had either until I had the knife to my throat in 2010. Never. So I saw this transformation of my friend who we celebrated his life last Saturday. And Tim grew in this knowledge. We started talking about praying. All right, y'all ready? Here we go. High-tech redneck right here. And he looked at me and said, prayer never works. I used to think prayer never works. I'm sorry. He goes, but I've discovered something else after we've been talking. And I said, what's that? He goes... I've been, pray- I've been praying, and God loves it when I speak to him, but I- I've been praying in the spirit that lives inside of me. And if I've been praying, I was looking at, I was looking at uh, Scripture. And when Paul prayed, he, didn't- he prayed for something unique for all these churches. And he turned to Ephesians chapter, two- chapter 1, and-, and-, and this prayer of Paul that he reads to every one of his churches that he sends. You know, it's like the report card coming back. Y'all been doing good? Yeah, maybe not so good. But he always starts with a prayer. And he says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and the knowledge of him. He wants me to know him. Yeah, if I pray for Aunt Sally's hip to get healed and, you know, the doctor visit coming up, that's all good stuff. But he's praying something different. That I know him having the eyes of my heart. I have eyes in my heart. Enlightened. That I may know what is the hope to which he has called you. I say, you want to know know a cool way to pray is to put your name in that. So I'm going to practice with you now, okay? So I'm praying to the Father right now. Father, I pray that the God of my Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give me, Trey, the spirit of wisdom and of the revelation and the knowledge of Him. Father, I pray that having the eyes of my heart enlightened, I pray that you, that I pray that you help me know what is the hope to which He has called you. Tim started praying that way. He had thorns. He had a revelation about what he was holding on to. And then the prayer life of praying to grow deeper in the knowledge as far as the east is from the west, the the length, the height, the width, and the depth of his love. Praying for that instead. And I saw him. I saw Tim just pop after he started praying that way. And then the last thing he said before I, because I want to turn it over to, I want to pick your brains about something in the last 15, 20 minutes. He says, Trey, I used to focus on my sins so much. And don't get me wrong, sin's bad. Sin's horrible. But are you telling me that when Paul writes in Romans 6, 
We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin may be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin for one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. And this is the good stuff. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die. He goes on to say, so you must consider yourselves dead to sin. You're dead. Doesn't mean you don't worry about it. Doesn't mean mean you're going to walk along this earth and you're going to jump off a cliff if you happen to screw up and sin, but but you're you're dead to it. You don't... Why is my focus on sin instead of my focus on Jesus? That makes sense? And then the last piece, as he read the next part of Colossians, that he said was huge for him was this. And back to Colossians 2. In the ESV, it says one thing. The NLT says another. But in the NIV, they they focus on these two words. And I'm going to make the difference right here. He says, in him you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh, the circumcision of Christ. The other versions say, put off your sinful, old sinful nature. Right? He says, Trey, I was just, believed, I was just programmed to believe all these years that I couldn't get any better. That it was my nature to be bad. It was my nature to be in sin all the time. But this says it's been circumcised. Now, why is that important for Paul to say that? Why would you think it's important for Paul to say, use the word circumcised right here? What? Flesh. Flesh. Check. You get a start. Who was the king of Jewish context, Right? Right? So, I'm just going to write Jewish, but you fill in the blank. Perfect. Coming from Paul, that is gigantic. Because it was all about law. Why else is important on that word circumcised that he put that there? And this revelation came to me Monday night on our national young man's call. One of our guys, I think it might have been the guy that's coming to visit here in a little while, Austin, said this. But why is, why is that word so important to use when it's talking about our sin nature? Remove. Remove. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the word that was given to me that just floored me. Get ready. I know they save the foreskin and they probably put them in a keepsake or something, but it's permanent. It's permanent. That circumcision, you don't reverse that. And I had a 29-year-old man, I think he's coming today, give me that word, Trey, it's permanent. It was cut off. It's gone. So I talked... Tim, I saw these revelations hitting him. This guy that was in the bottom of the pit, 
you see our logo, it's, it's us reaching down to help a guy out of the pit, right? And we're trying to reach out through grace. And the last thing he said was, you know, the verse in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 6, he goes, when I was in church growing up, I would hear a pastor read this verse, do, you, do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor the idolaters, adulterers, the men who practice homosexuality, the thieves, the greedy, the drunkards, the revelers, the swindlers, will ever inherit the kingdom of God. And he says, Trey, I was sitting in church, and this man next to me said, Amen! And I looked at him going, Man, you must be perfect. Because if you look at that list, I'm guilty of eight of these. He says, but no one ever read the next verse. Such were some of you. The King James Version says, right after that, it says, you are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. He's talking about it. all those, all those, all that list of sins, and I counted one day. I think I'm guilty of seven of them. All right, let's just be out there, right? They're not talking about sin. He's talking about who you are. That's an identity change that he's talking about. And once we got that to Tim, that man, you really changed the day you believed. You just don't understand it yet. You spent your life being conformed to this world through alcohol and girls and, and, and some stealing and some bad business decisions and cheating and all these things, guess what? The day you believed it was there, you were as full as you're going to get. Got a couple more minutes? Ten. Ten? All right. You're as full as you're going to get. He lives there. Now you get to walk that out as a totally forgiven, holy, justified child of God who has the righteousness of God himself. And I saw this change happen in Tim that was just spectacular. And I wanted to share. That's what our ministry does. And this message of grace that we give, those things on that sheet of paper, there's a thorn. What are you holding on to? Do you really understand what truly happened to you the day you believe in the power of Jesus' blood? And that's a whole other conversation. And if you don't understand it, what's it like when you do? And I saw my friend Tim Blumstrom didn't understand it over a five-year period grow. Now, it was three years, four years, three years, four years ago. I sat down with Tim, and he gave me all this enlightenment about himself, right? And then I looked at him, and I said, well, man, he goes, I totally trust the Lord and who he says I am now. I said, man, that's great, Tim. I said, I got a problem. I, I want to make us a non-for-profit, and I want to do these things with impact to take it to another level. And he said, what are you thinking? And I said, well, I need a website. I need social media. I need someone to help me organize events. And he said, uh, we, we, have a pod, we have two podcasts that, that I have a vision for. I need help editing them and all that. And he said, are you kidding me? I'm going to do it. And I said, I can't pay you. He goes, I don't care what y'all have done for me these past two or three years. I want to be a part of this growth. So I gave him the keys to the website and, and everything else. And I looked at his mom on Saturday. as She's weeping right here. 
I said, I remember going to Tim and saying, dude, I need us a logo. I said, I want it to look like a stamp. I'm wearing that logo that, that he designed for me right now. I said, I want the red. I want, it to, I want the hole there that we're filling ourselves with the cross and the red is the blood of Christ. And I want people to know that we're passionate about him. And then for short, we got an acronym, it's IMPACT, M-P-A-C-T. And Tim designed all this for me. He's, he was responsible for the podcast, uh, the social media. He set up the website. Now that he's passed, I'm the webmaster. So if you click on the website, you're going to look at it and say, it ain't that great right now, but I, I'm, I'm working on it. But Tim lives because he, un- he, fi- he lives on in death because he finally understood he was walking around as Christ and Tim. And I wanted to share his story as a testimony of what our ministry is about. So when you come up to that person, get ready, that has these thorns, how do y'all guide them through? What do you try to... This is where I want to... I want something back because I am all up about... I believe in Christ, now what? Because I was one of those guys who believe in Christ and I would hit a vacuum until 2010. Do you see the people with thorns in your life? Do you, do you, do you see the people that just feel like there's this one thing he ain't ever going to forgive me for and you fill in the blank what it is? How do we get them past that to understand this God that loves them? That got his arm around them, that's walking down that beach with them in that situation with them. How do we get them past that? So I, I just, I ask your input. What, what are your thoughts? thoughts so one thing you took away today that you might be able to take back to where you are for that someone that that in your life that I can get them to the next step or I can plant a seed to get them to the next step
That is huge. I wish I had time to tell you about the conversation I had right after that funeral with an 11-year-old boy. But we can, if y'all want to ask me about it, I'll tell you about it later. But so many people are so jaded by religion or how they've been burned by a church or how they've been burned by someone in a church or how they, you know, how they think God owes them something. That if they ask me and I just read this thing, it ain't going to happen. But the, the art of actually, so what do you believe? And let's talk about the basis of that and where that comes from. Do you believe in a, a God that's keeping score and judging you every day? Or do you believe in a God that the power of that cross was that that intense it was that powerful that he actually washed you clean you think about what happened on the cross right i mean we had to be washed clean because the holy spirit ain't going to indwell us if we're not i mean we, we were washed clean that day totally clean and then his resurrection three days ensured this eternal life that we get to live with him and then of course the third piece of the puzzle was the Holy Spirit coming at the Pentecost about 50 days later but if they weren't clean he ain't coming Mm -hmm. so I ask a lot of those questions about do we understand what truly happened on that cross to you for you do you truly understand what happened in Genesis 3 the gravity of that because if we don't truly understand that why is the cross how, how can we not fully appreciate what happened on the cross so we have a lot of those kind of conversations and stuff. So watching this ministry evolve over time, and I think one of the big things that opens other men up is you're, if Trey or you are willing to go deep and expose whatever you have going on, they are willing to go deep. And guys are always usually like, hey, how's it going? Great, how's it going? Great, great. Um, when you go deep, and that's why he has a bracelet that whenever he meets with a man and he goes deep and the man goes deep, he shares the bracelet. And he says, that bracelet is so you can go deep with another man and share that bracelet with him. We call them our sharing bracelets, yeah. But So to put a bow on this. Um, Our main objective with our ministry is looking at that man and having that man go from my friend Tim where he was to the Tim, after he did all of our stuff, he got on with two churches as a production manager for their worship team. Two different churches. In the second church, there was a female pastor. It was in Tequesta, Florida, near Hobie Sound and Jupiter, you know, down that way. And she was a sergeant, like boom, boom, boom. She was, she, she, you know, it was her show and nothing else. And and he, at first, when he got there, he felt her being really short with him. And then one day, before the service started, they got in and the whole soundboard gone. She's freaking out. And he looked at her with just calm and grace and said, "I can't remember what her name was, Sandra. You go to your green room and prepare." As you get on that stage, this is going to happen. Trust me. And sure enough, 
he got it to work. And then after that, she looked at him and she said, there's something different about you. He flows. I can see it flowing out of you. You've told me your past and your story and all these horrible, horrible things. What do you attribute you being so calm and collective and peaceful? And he goes, I realized in Jesus' words, his grace is sufficient for me. So that's all I can do. And she immediately, after that, included him on all the church board meetings. And all of a sudden, he just had this active role. Now, unfortunately, his lifestyle up to five years ago took such a toll on his body. And I got to admit, he relapsed a little bit as he moved away from us. And we didn't have a brother next to him. But the damage had been done, and we lost him. Um, but he lives. He lives on. Every shirt I wear, my wife's wearing, every wristlet, bracelet we have, he lives on. Because he had that one thing. You see it in people. You see when you walk in a room and you go, I'm attracted to whatever that is coming out. And we know who it is. It's our identity as a Christian flowing out of us. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And we connect that dot that that's who's here. We're going to fly on the wings like eagles, right? I appreciate y'all. Any questions about us, our ministry, what we do? Or any thoughts? I got to cut you loose. It's... <laughs> Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you for the one thing no one can argue with is a testimony and how you affected us. And let us be your ambassadors to share how you affected us and then plant a seed so you can affect that other person in the same manner and give them the revelation that they can pluck out the thorns. They can pray a little, little more in you to, have, to get that relationship going a little more and they can have that revelation of letting go so they can move forward in their Christian identity. So just be with us this whole weekend as we explore all of these truths in Christ's name. Amen. Y'all are awesome. Thank you.